Blog Talk Radio. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. 
Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at idealpoultry.com. That's idealpoultry.com. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. We're going to immediately get ready uh, for the show. We're going to bring Richard on, and uh, I am on the road, as you know, uh, for about six weeks, heading from really Georgia all the way to Bangor, Maine. We've already had four events out of 14. We've got ten more. Uh, they will, will resume this Saturday up in uh, Quakertown, Pennsylvania, uh, just a couple of days ago, a few days ago. I guess it was Monday night. We had a, a show uh, an event in uh, York, Pennsylvania, and so we're taking a little bit of time out for some family time. I'll share with that uh, a little bit later, but we want to get to our topic. Uh, Richard has a commitment, but he decided to come on. We've got about 30 minutes, and uh, today we're talking about choosing a veterinarian, not necessarily just for your chickens, but a uh, veterinarian in, in um uh, in general, for maybe your dogs or your cat or your horses or things like that, because I do know, we see it every day, I've seen it for years, that uh, trying to find a vet to care of your chickens in many places can be a challenge, um, and there may be ways around that we'll talk about after Richard has to leave us about how to specifically maybe find uh, that chicken vet or maybe some alternatives to finding that chicken vet. And uh, as always, and we've always said that Getting your information for the health of your chickens on blogs and forums is a very slippery slope and a dangerous road sometimes. So we'll give you some other alternatives uh, as well. So let me go ahead right to the phone lines. We'll bring Richard on, and we'll go ahead and get started with our topic here for the next 30 uh, minutes, and that is choosing a veterinarian. Thank you very much for uh, joining us today, uh, Richard, and fitness in. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I cut it a little short today, but um, I've got a, I've got a uh, commitment, and uh, so I'm just going to share with everybody just some of the more important things and some of the things I never really thought about. Um, yeah. We did an article in um, in Back Home uh, on choosing a veterinarian, and the, the author really um, really pointed out some areas that uh, I hadn't given a lot of thought to, and I'm you know I'm not sure every, everyone else or anyone else has as well. So uh, you know I think we just go down the um, go down Sounds the list good. and and do it that way. Um, no worries. First, go ahead. I said, no, that's great. It's it's often, there's a lot of things 
that uh, us as humans just sometimes don't think about. It's kind of like, um, well, I wash my hands and I change my clothes or uh, I put a, a gown on or something when I take care of my chickens and come back, and I do pretty good biosecurity. But when you when you offer them different information, it really opens their eyes, things we hadn't thought of, like, you know, um, well, does your dog run roam through your backyard? Does your dog have access to the chicken run and the chicken coop? Because the dog can step into chicken poo, and then he's going to bring it right into your house, on your carpet, on your couch, on your bed, on your clothes. And a lot of times we'll mention that, and people's eyes just get big, their jaws drop. They're like, I never really thought about it. So another way disease can enter your home uh, is that, that you know, because a lot of people allow their dogs on their couch, on their bed, on their, <laughs> you know. So, um, but you have new perspectives and, and things are always good. We can always learn from them. Yeah, yeah. And one, one of the things that um, I certainly haven't really given a lot of thought to is um, is the distance when you're choosing a vet, let's say, let's say you've either got a new a new animal, or um, or you uh, are have moved to a new area. Uh, the you know the important thing is to is to uh, try to find a vet which a veterinary office which is um, which is uh, close reasonably close to your to where you live or where the animal is, um, and you know in most communities most regular you know, urban, suburban, even even uh, partially rural areas, that shouldn't be a major problem. But if you get out into the country, um, you know, it can be quite a distance. And the recommendation is really to try to limit the travel distance uh, no more than 15 to 20 minutes if possible. Um, obviously, for large animals, I mean, in, in many cases for large animals, uh, the, the, the uh, doctor and assistant will be coming to you. But... I'm talking about uh, your dog, your cat, your, you know, whatever, your p- poultry or anything else that you may be, uh, you know, may be requiring care for. Um, it's, it's, it can be uncomfortable for many animals to be in, in the moving uh, car or truck, uh, whether they're in the cab with you or whether they're in the back, um, to go more than 15 or 20 minutes. So it's, so in your search, it might be, it might, it might be wise to try to, to try to find somebody closer than further, not, not simply for uh, gas costs or or convenience, but also for the sake of the animal. Um, so uh, the other thing, which which I think most people have thought about, but but uh, it's it's especially important with poultry, is that is that you really need to establish if your if your pr- uh, prospective veterinarian office has treats the kind of species that you um, that you that you deal with, because you know that's that's critical. I mean. Mo- you know, most doctors are going to be, uh, you know, be honest in, in the fact if they don't if they don't really specialize in anything particular animals. Like um, we all know that poultry can be extremely difficult to get to get uh, care for. Uh, most doctors are you know trained in 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 the cats and dogs and you know maybe birds or something like that or possibly of course you know we have uh, we have uh, li- uh, large animal uh, veterinarians who don't really deal with uh, cats as much or maybe dogs and cats vets who who uh who are not equipped to handle um large animal treatment but it is uh, it's important to to find out up front whether the species of animals you're you know you're caring for is uh is being able to be treated by the vet you have in mind um so it's just simply a matter of picking up the phone and asking or paying a paying a setting up an appointment to pay a visit to uh to discuss your your uh, your issues with the uh with the you know, perspective that, or just easier, just going online and seeing if um, 
if the website for the doctor's office has um, has all that stuff uh, uh, clearly marked and indicated on the site, which they which they should. I mean, we're talking about you know pocket pets, uh, the kind of little you know mice and and little little gerbils and things, birds. Uh, a lot of people have snakes and reptiles and lizards and things. Um, obviously, the dogs and the cats, uh, the poultry gets into the you know your barnyard creatures, and then you get the larger animals, you know the goats, the horses, the uh, you know equine equine animals, and and uh, and um, um, cattle and uh, swine and you know all sorts of things. So you you really need to be aware of that uh, before you just sort of pick somebody. Um, and the internet makes that you know makes that really easy to narrow narrow both distance and the type of animal and species down and then once you've established that you can maybe do a little interview or just do a little phone call conversation and figure out if this is the right uh the right person for you but there's a lot more a lot more to it than that um services that that veterinarian offices offer can w- vary widely uh depending on just what what they're set up for um you can't assume that that animal clinics have are set up for emergency care service or surgery or uh specific types of analysis and all that you just have to you just have to find out by by uh trial and error or by at least uh, searching or sp- and speaking to the to the staff what they are set up for so um you know one of the basic things are what kind of hours of operation is it a clinic that's a 24 hour 7 day a week uh available um perhaps they're not open 7 days a week and or open uh, 24 hours a day, but they may be available uh, on call to to be able to uh, uh, be accessed uh, anytime, anytime, any day. Um, does the um, does the veterinarian have an assistant that also is available to come help? Now, with you know, with the smaller animals, that may be that may be not as much of a problem because the owner can probably help hold the animal with a little you know a little training, a little little coaching from the from the doctor but when you when you're talking about a large animal vet when the when the when the veterinary doctor shows up uh at the farm for you know horse or or, or cattle and does not bring a assistant with that means that you're going to be the, the assistant so you know it can be a little difficult for, for some people to um you know be expected to uh, to respond to that um uh, the other thing is uh um if the clinic has a referral service where somebody else would handle that, how far away is that? That goes back to the first question: Is it, you know, your your clinic may be 15 minutes away, but is the referral clinic, the after hours, 24-hour clinic, you know, 45 minutes, an hour and a half, whatever? And in some communities, that's that will be the case, um, and people may be used to that. But um, but in a in a suburban community, people may not be having to drive, or, or may not expect to to be having to drive, uh, you know. An hour to get to uh, to get to an after-hour uh, emergency clinic, and especially when the animal's suffering, you know, a broken leg or a, or a, uh, a problem with a, a wound. Um, in which case, you know, are you driving when trying to treat this animal? While you're driving or trying to comfort the animal? So it's it's really you know pretty important. Um, uh, and also how the how the how an on-call veterinary office will respond to your emergency call, I and mean, will they will they get back to you in you know in, in in five minutes, or will they you know do they check their phone machine or their or their email or their um, uh, uh, phone logs uh, on a on a regular basis, or do they have an alarm or some type of warning that they know when calls come in and they can respond to them? Um, 
the other thing to think about is the um, is the um, the resources at the actual clinic or hospital or, or office where you're you're going to be dealing with. Um, do they have overnight care? Do they uh, do they have the ability to have overnight care to stay overnight with your with your pet or your or your animal? Um, if you uh, you may have some work done on the animal, but the animal's left by itself in 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 a kennel uh, through through the night until the morning when somebody can come in. I mean, is that something that you you want to have happen, or you are aware of that that kind of thing? Um, uh, so that that kind of 24-hour care is something that may be of concern to you. Um, and the other thing to think about is the experience of the of the veterinary. Um, uh, not not so much the, him or herself, but the actual technicians or the assistants that are going to be uh, helping with with the surgery or with the treatment. Um, you know, that's uh, they're doing more than just um, you know just helping out. I mean, they're providing uh, treatments, the technical assistance. Uh, um, probably be the ones that are going to be seeing the animal more than the doctor will be if there's a course of treatment. So that's uh, that's something to ask. I and mean, what kind of what kind of uh, 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 certification does the do the technicians have, or what kind of what kind of experience they have? Um, another thing is like, uh, and it, it really gets into into the nitty gritty. But the equipment, I mean, and we can't expect uh, uh, customers, you know, doctors, patients to um, to know everything about uh, what should shouldn't shouldn't be in the lab or in the in the clinic. But um, if if there's equipment there to be able to do certain types of things like blood tests. Uh, or analysis on site, it's going to be a lot more convenient for everybody if they you, they can wait for the response. Like most clinics are going to have a um, are going to have a um, microscope. Uh, it, it, it's almost a, a staple in in the office, so they can analyze blood blood and um, and other samples, tissue samples that may be uh, need to be you know uh, enlarged to be able to identify problems and pathogens, whatever. So that's like a Basic um, a basic need for things like um, urinalysis and blood counts and just a lot of different cell related things. Um, the other, you know, that's an absolute minimum. Other other equipment that would be helpful there uh, again for the convenience of knowing fairly, you know, quickly, immediately what is going on. Um, are blood count machines? I guess they call them. Uh, this article says they call them CBC machines, uh, complete blood count machines. So you can run most of the most of the blood analysis tests right within on site within the facility, and you can get the response uh, back within within you know five minutes. Um, uh, these are for things like um, heartworm, uh, parvo, feline leukemia, uh, immunodeficiency viruses, giardia, pancreatitis, and there's just a, a long list of other other uh, diseases and uh, and situations that that the in-house facility can determine whether the disease or, or bacteria exists or not, and you can have that answer, you know, in-house within, you know, within minutes. Um, it might be more expensive to get it done that way. Uh, the, obviously, the doctor has to invest in this equipment, but, um, but it, it's, it's really a lot more, uh, you know, a lot more effective uh, or, or a lot more efficient, really, to have you, to have you know that, uh, you know, right away instead of having to wait um, for a couple of days for blood work or, uh, tissue sample work, which can take a week, or cultures to be developed, which can take you know up to a week or whatever. Um, another piece of equipment which you'd expect to see in a, in a, a well-equipped veterinary office is an X-ray machine, 
because you're, you're, they're going to need to analyze, uh, you know, bone fractures, deformities, in some internal organ issues, things like that. Um, and uh, you know, that's that's a, these questions uh, about the equipment are really not um, anything out of the ordinary. In fact, the, the, vet, the vet office will probably appreciate that you know that you're asking them. Um, I I don't know if there's any. I'm not at the in the chat room, looking at the chat room right now, so I don't know whether the uh, whether the uh, anybody has any questions. But if anybody does, I can you know ask I'll questions. I'll go ahead and post okay. in there. If anybody has questions, I sure will. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Let me know then. Um, so we get on to the other equipment, which is really sort of I wouldn't say optional, but a better equipped laboratory will have um, will have you know the more the fancier stuff like the CT scans. Like we just like we have in you know in hospitals, um, di other diagnostic equipment like ultrasound uh, machines, even MRI scans, the magnetic resonance imaging. Um, these can be these can be in some some of the larger surgery and uh, and emergency um, clinics around. And we ourselves have a uh, for our little you know little town here. We do have one emergency clinic uh, which. Actually, prior to their opening, the other um, we had to drive. I drive 45 minutes minimum to get to uh, to get to the most equipped 24-hour emergency clinic. And now with the new the new uh, uh, facility open, it's it's only about 10 minutes. So it makes it makes it a world of difference. And they're you know, they're fairly well equipped. Um, but you shouldn't expect some of this last of the MRI and the uh, and the CT scan and that kind of thing. You shouldn't expect. Uh, Everybody, or even even most of them, to have this. These are these are expensive pieces of equipment, and and to have that kind of equipment available, it usually requires a, a base of um, uh, population base of of you know a fair good amount of traffic available in and out, so that people can you know can uh, feed off of the um, off the population to uh, you know to pay for the equipment, obviously. So um, so this uh, you know it would been, it would not be unusual for a rural area not to have all this you know all this kind of kind of stuff. Um, the other thing to think about is anesthesia and how that is handled. Um, uh, you know, there are there are certain procedures that that your your pet will need to be anesthetized for, um, and they have the correct amount of um, or the correct equipment to handle it. Not just the not just the anesthesiologist type equipment, uh, but also the monitoring equipment that's necessary to keep the to keep your pet. Or, or animal uh, safe and uh, to keep track of the vital signs uh, that they would normally do during during the anesthetic process. Um, the kind of um, you know they want to keep airways open, uh, so there's there's uh, tracheal tubes they have to consider. There are intravenous catheters to deliver the fluids. I mean this is not really the 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 business of the patient, but it is it is nice to know whether they're fully equipped to handle all these. Things and if they're not, you have to be prepared to to have to take the animal to a place that maybe um, you know maybe does have them. So you so if this if this happens, you may have to be traveling um, or planning you know planning a procedure ahead of time so that so that you can go to the right a place with the right kind of equipment. Um, uh, you know, there's accreditations for this kind of thing. It doesn't hurt to ask the veterinary office what kind of accreditations the doctor has beyond the medical degree. Because um, there's a lot of a lot of different uh, things, especially with the anesthesiology and and other things that they they need to be accredited for. Um, so that's not a bad question to ask. Uh, what additional material uh, and such you you uh, the doctor 
can offer a different additional accreditation the doctor can offer. Um, and some of that also helps helps explain um, the additional cost of of veterinary care between one office and another one. You know, the the doctor with with more equipment, more accreditation, more um, experience is is uh, going to be the one that you know can can ask a higher uh, and, and needs a higher um, a higher uh, rate to uh, keep the office you know operating. Um, and you know that brings us to um, that brings us to the whole cost um, uh, cost um, question, which is really opening has opened up a lot more in the past in the uh, in the uh, in the past few years uh, as to you know the old days where you you know you just pay for the vet and uh, maybe if you if you had a problem you could pay a little bit and then pay him pay him him or her off uh, by the month to uh, to catch up with the bill. Um, there's a lot of options open. Um, we're still fortunate in that, and I, it, it always amazes me when I go to the vets. Sometimes we see the procedures they go through; that the bills are not higher. I mean, they're they're they've been, the, the veterinary doctors require the same training, you know, same uh, kind of stuff that human doctors require. They they have to equip the offices in much the same way. I mean, they have all the same bills, but they don't charge nearly as much as a as a, a human doctor and or as a doctor that treats humans and. And um, we, you know, I just wonder sometimes how they, you know, how they can manage that. But they, I guess they do. Um, so, you know, there's still, you know, there's still um, uh, the option of, of, of proceeding with your vet on one-on-one basis ahead of time, trying to work out if you can't afford. I mean, if you're in a situation where you need a procedure done, it's not an emergency situation, or possibly just speaking to your vet, your veterinary doctor before an emergency happens, saying I. You know, my income is limited, or whatever. I don't always have a lot of cash on hand. Is it possible to, is it possible to um, pay on time, or can I leave a deposit, sort of a standing um, deposit here, or something like that, to cover things and then pay off if that's, if there's a, possibly an option? The other thing that's become a lot more popular in past years is, is the pet insurance. Um, it generally works pretty well. I mean. Um, uh, most things to be aware of with that is that it covers uh, preventive care, the normal examinations, and and uh, also um, the additional expenses of illnesses and physical injury. But they generally do not pay for any pre-existing conditions, just like you know a lot of a lot of uh, other older insurance policies wouldn't either. So what we have to do is start when the pet is young, get your insurance pol- get your pet insurance policy started as quickly as you can when the when the when the puppy or the cat or the animal is still young so that you'll be set over time that when if something does turn up uh that they won't be you won't be called on a pre existing condition because you know you'll have accrued the necessary waiting time before uh that gets off the table. So um you know that's um uh you know that's uh, an important thing thing to think about and check check your policy's uh, situation in in that case how how they set that up. Um the other thing with uh, with pet insurance, which is important, is that usually it's the claims are handled by reimbursement, not by direct pay. So that you, as the patient or as the patient's caregiver, is going to have to uh, pay for the treatment out of pocket, and then you'll be reimbursed by the insurance company within 30 days or whatever it is after the insurance company has uh, has uh, filed. A or the vet has filed the paperwork with the insurance company to make sure that everything's uh, covered. So that's that's always um, 
something. The other thing is a lot of people don't realize there are actual credit cards, and one of the one of the credit cards is is uh, one of the names that's most common is Care Credit. The same people that handle um, uh, dental and vision insurance and some of the other other non non health or non medical uh, non surgery and non non medical insurance that Blue Cross or United Health or some of the other people would carry. Uh, Care Credit is a subsidiary of a of a major uh, uh, bank corporation, and they and they will handle uh, they can handle veterinary costs and dental costs and and other things. But of course, we're interested in just the vet costs here. So that's a um, that's a matter of getting you know getting a, a it's basically a credit card, getting it signed up for um, the healthcare options within the veterinary facility. Um, and this is not to be used for things like buying you know buying pet food or or uh, toys for the animal, whatever. This is all stuff within the parameters of the veterinary office. So if you if your dog, for example, needs um, needs a special diet, and you buy your pet food from the vet, then the care the uh, credit card uh, finance uh, caregiver carrier will uh, will allow that. But you can't go out and buy you know toys and pet bedding and stuff that isn't part of the um, the healthcare needs of the of the patient. So that's um, you know that's something that that works out. Of course, you're still going to have to pay. Um, you're going to have to pay your pay your card down, just like any other credit card. I mean, there's a there's a uh, finance charge, and you'll pay by the month, and there's a late charge, and you know all that kind of thing. But if you keep up with it, it, it can be very a lot more attractive than trying to pay a you know $800 bill out of out of pocket all at once. Um, some some healthcare facilities, some veterinary healthcare facilities, actually set up a uh, a in-house financing plan. You can you can question about that. Um, not everybody, but you can you can check with your doctor if you if you have if you are in a situation where you know you can't be expected to just write a check for fifteen hundred bucks or whatever. You may you may um, plan ahead by seeing if you can set up something like that. Uh, you know you get of course a credit check uh, that kind of thing. But that may you know that may work out. Um, everybody's different, but it could be it could be worked out. Um, and there's just a lot of um, you know a lot of other options that may come up um, that can be formulated within you know within certain clinics and and maybe not within others. But it all just takes a takes a, a conference or just a small short visit with the um, with the billing office or whoever it is at the clinic that you know that can answer all those questions. Um, and uh, you know it's worth it's well worth the uh, you know well worth the effort to uh, to even if you're thinking about changing vets or thinking about getting another animal that may not be within the species limits of what your current vet handles or if you're moving or or if you're um you know just aren't aren't happy with your current veterinarian office and you want to you want to consider something else um again most of this information is available online or at least you can narrow down using the veterinary website you can narrow down who you may think would be a good fit then you can just make appointments uh to either have a phone conference or a or just Show up and uh, talk, uh, make an appointment to, to speak for you know 10, 15 minutes with uh, somebody at the office to answer the answer the questions. But I, you know, I never really realized there was this much to it. But when you, when actually with all this, with all this stuff being pointed out, uh, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's um, it's a big challenge. It was a neat that um, when I looked at the topic, um, it was related. In fact, it was I had I, when I posted this, I had no idea of the actual topic for this Thursday, but um, let me go down here and find it, and I'll read you the post that I posted. Um, ah, here it was. Nope. 
and scroll back up. Fast fingers, here we go. Open it up. I put um I actually I titled it Honest Observation because it is something I've seen over the last decade, but I said uh, it's very frustrating to me and hard for me to understand why some people will gladly spend hundreds of dollars on their chickens, including expensive coops, treats, toys, clothes, diapers, heaters, and more, and then refuse, absolutely refuse, to get a simple fecal flotation test to check for internal parasites because it costs 25 bucks, or complain because of medication their chickens need is $35. It's like they have no problem spending money on the fun stuff, but when it comes to the responsible stuff, they resist opening their wallets. Now, I understand the vet bill can be expensive and well over $100, but some even refuse to pay for a $25 consultation to get good, reliable information from a poultry professional like Peter Brown, the chicken doctor. And I know this doesn't apply to all of you, but I see it so often it's very frustrating. Your chickens depend on you to take care of them. This not only means an appropriate coop, but appropriate medical care as well. And um, and then, of course, it generated a lot of really good comments, and there's there's a difference from what and it ended up being in two different topics that spread into in the comments. One was... You know, the, what I was making a point at, that there's resources readily available to you and you just, you know, you'll, you'll have no problem spending, you know, 50 bucks on an organic feed or, you know, 80 bucks on a toy or, or whatever the case may be, uh, spending time and making curtains for the nest box. But uh, now they're sick and then someone, you know, this, you know I recommend you buying this medication. This, and, and then they just, ugh. And then they just won't do it for some reason. And I see it so much. Peter sees it so much. Um, that's different than the fact of, you know, I'd be willing to do this if there was somebody even in my area that would take care of chickens. Now, again, there may be somebody an hour away, um, but, you know, you know, it could even be two hours away. But the way I look at that is, you know, uh, sit down and think about how much time. Time is worth something. How much time you have in your chickens. The time you went to the post office to pick them up or, or hatch them out the incubator, the time, all the feed, you know, for the last, you know, year and a half, and then you may have a disease that could, could wipe out your entire flock. Uh, it's worth a two-hour drive. Think about gas going two hours and back and the time taking your chickens versus the time the last two years you've spent raising them, and then it's still, oh, I don't have any in my town. Well, what about an hour away? What about two hours away? It's, it's still, I think it's still justified. And, of course, then... Um, Richard, you know, there's folks that, which is all these are right answers. There's no wrong answer, but the folks that are still, you know, I paid $3 for this chicken, so why am I going to spend $100 on it? You know, people get free dogs and cats all the time, and they'll spend $1,500 on a hip replacement or, or, a, or a surgery. So that's kind of irrelevant. That may be just your um, your view. Is that, you know, I paid $3 for this chicken. I'm not spending $100 going to the vet for it. But, but it, and then some people, like Dr. McRae, say, well, maybe you shouldn't have chickens if you're not willing to, to, to you know, fork up the responsibility of having them. Um, maybe, you know, so, so there's, there's all, again, so many different uh, avenues. None may be right, none may be wrong, but it's uh, uh, based on a $3 chicken. Maybe they're your pets, maybe they're your livestock. And so you were raised where, you know, we got a sick chicken, we need to call it. And that, that's the bottom line. That's what we do because we have you know, 4,000 others that we're, we're having to deal with, and it's not named, it's not a pet. So uh, depending on why and how you raise your chickens and what's important to you, that may be the right answer for you. So um, the topic could come at a more uh, awesome time because we were just talking about it actually earlier in the week. Yeah. I um, I see that I have to get on to my appointment now, so I'm sorry. I uh, apologize That's fine. for the brief thing, but this, that's, I sort of went through it real quick, but I think um, there's, a, there's a lot of good information in, in that, and 
you know, it's just the kind of the kind of stuff that you do, just may not always think about, but um, you know, it's important. So, absolutely. So we'll, well, thank uh, we'll, you very much. Yeah, we'll talk to you again. Uh, I guess it would be uh, September, um, and I'm not—I don't remember what the topic will be, but we will come up with one, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. And I'll keep in touch with you uh, offline and and uh, enjoy your meeting. Thanks for stopping by when you could today. Thank you so much. You have okay. a great one. Talk to you later. Okay. Well, thank you, Andy. Bye bye. You bet. Thank you. Bye bye. So uh, yeah, to kind of continue that, you know, I completely understand that. Um, uh, again, for a lot of people out there, in every in every event that I do, I talk about how awesome it is being the chicken whisperer and, and my fan base because there's so many different lifestyles and people that keep their chickens. You've got vegans and vegetarians that keep chickens, but they don't eat the chickens or the egg. They give all that away, and they use them for composting and fertilizer and pets and insect control and, and things like that. So you've got peppers raising chickens for the end times or, or for preparedness. You've got, you know, the, the soccer moms, if you will, that are raising education for the kids or local, you know, food movement. They want to kind of provide for their family local food and, and things like that. So, but, um, so for some people it might just be, uh, well, it's a $3 chicken. You know, I'm not going to spend any money on it. They'll have a thousand dollar coop for that uh, $3 chicken. They'll have all these toys and all these treats and all these curtains and all these pictures and, and, and signs and, and I'll spend all the money on that. But uh, and that's fine for a three dollar chicken, but a twenty five dollar bottle of medica- medication on uh, that, that's just too much. I'm not going to spend that <laughs> on a three dollar chicken. But but what, what about the coop you just paid two thousand dollars for? You bought that for a three dollar chicken, right? So, uh, so sometimes it's kind of like raising your eyebrow, going, you know, what, what's you know, fun stuff is okay to spend no money on, but responsible stuff is not. Um, but I understand for a lot of people who would be more than willing to, uh, you know, do a, a, a vet a doctor vet visit, and then they, um, uh, but there's not any available. And that, and, and again, when I hear people say that, um, it may just be there's not any available. There's nobody in my town. Okay, well, how about the next town, or the next town over, or, or maybe across the state line? Maybe it's a two-hour drive. But sit down and think about how much money you have involved. If this disease has the potential of killing your whole flock, how much money do you? How much money do you have invested uh, from from the time of purchasing the chicks or purchasing the fertile eggs, purchasing the uh, incubator and the egg turner, and then the time? The time is something that's amazing. And then all the feed for the last, I don't know, a uh, year, how, how much have you spent on feed? And then having it wiped out your flock and having to start all over with that versus maybe a $100 vet bill uh, or $25 medication. Or maybe it's amazing how many people, uh, just I can't understand it, uh, balk at the idea that Peter Brown, with decades of experience, vast knowledge, awesome at what he does as far as uh, doing um, uh, uh, diagnosis, if you will, on, on the phone and helping folks save flocks and, and his $25 consultation thing. Well, why does he charge for that? Why, why isn't it free? Why can't he tell me that information for free? Decades of being in the industry, um, first state vet supply, working at the commercial uh, arena, working in the hobby and the hobby farm, um, and, and then they, you know, twenty five dollars. I have to pay twenty five dollars to get information. Want to go with it? Pay over a hundred. Go ahead. Uh, here's here's an, here's an alternative for you. No matter where you live in the United States, twenty five dollars. Peter Brown. There you go. And he's helped thousands of people uh, around the country save their birds, save their flocks. You just you mention his name. Highly respected anywhere in the country. You'll hear people come up and say, Oh my gosh, Peter's awesome. He saved my birds. And uh, 25 bucks, but that's amazing how. Or, or they'll they'll call Peter up, and I'll just say it because he he doesn't you know it's you know we know um, that he does it because it's the passion is. But how many people you know call up and uh, get all kinds of free information from him, 
and then they'll say, you know, I really would recommend you buying and purchasing this this medication, and then they won't buy it from him because they found it literally, literally two dollars cheaper somewhere else, two bucks. But they got all this free information that's going to save their flock. I don't get it. Um, but so, so I understand that. But if there's not one in your town, oh, there's not one in my town. Well, what about town next door? What about two hours away? You know, think about the cost there. You know, be be responsible. These are your chickens. They're depending on you. When you've got chickens, there's something you need to think about. What if they get sick? How am I going to help, uh, um, care for them? How, where am I going to get help for them if I need to do that? Am I prepared to just go ahead and call them if that's my choice? Great. If that's your choice and that's what you plan to do, um, but I think we need to do that and plan that when we first get our chickens. Think about if there is a state poultry lab uh, in your state. I know there's the uh, Georgia uh, Poultry Lab uh, near University of Georgia, uh, and that goes to the next thing. If there's not a state poultry lab where you live in your state, uh, maybe there is a agricultural university nearby uh, that can do the test or do runs or do labs or will actually see your birds. Maybe there is a lab with the state or even the USDA in your area. Sometimes that is free. Uh, sometimes necropsies are free. If you lose a bird, you want to know what's going on. Sometimes that is free at both the universities and the state poultry lab, maybe a USDA uh, office there, um, your local extension, your local extension agent, your local poultry extension professional, if you have one in your state. So it's more, oh, and, and let me share this with you as well. And this happens a lot. We have to, we, we tell folks in our, in our workshops that, you know, um, I was amazed really at how many people on, on the Facebook page uh, had no idea what a fecal flotation test was. And so um, uh, they were like, well, I don't have a chicken vet in my area. Any vet can do and perform a fecal flotation test. Now, when you initially take it to them, there may be a couple of snags. One is he'll say, well, I don't do any tests without seeing the, the, the animal first. And, and we, we, we're used to that with humans. You know, oh, I need to refill on my prescriptions. Oh, I hadn't seen you, Mr. Schneider, in six months. You need to come in before I just refill it for you again. We, we understand that. I heard it in some said they need to see the animal uh, for a general inspection uh, or a visit before they start you know, doing, doing any tests. So that may be a snack. So you go and you take your chicken uh, or a couple of chickens to them. You get that relationship. You pay that whatever a visit is, and then you're golden uh, to bring back you know, the, the fecal flotation test. I heard from somebody that posted on their Facebook page, on my Facebook page, I think, today or yesterday, they went to their dog vet. They asked their dog vet, hey, I've got chickens too. Could you do a fecal flotation test if I brought you some poo? And her, her vet said, hey, I'm an Auburn guy. I went to Auburn. I'll be more than happy to do that for you. 20 25 bucks, fecal flotation test. When your chickens first come out of the coop in the morning, the first poops that they poop out in the morning, those are the poops you want to gather, and you want to take them to your local vet. Now, if you take them there uh, and they say, oh, I'm sorry, I don't do chickens. Uh, you know, what is this? It's chicken, chicken poo. I just need to do a fecal flotation test. Oh, I'm not a chicken vet. So the test is the exact same. You know, uh, you got a microscope, right? You got a, you got a slide. Um, you, you do fecal flotation tests on dogs and cats, right? It's the same thing, just a little just a different type of poop you're putting on the slide. So, so can you please do this for me? I'm, I'm, I'm at my wit's end. I'm stuck. I really need to do this for the health of my birds, and, and I'll pay your fee. 20, 25 bucks for a fecal flotation test. And if you go there and, you, and, and you're nice to explain to them that <laughs> you really need this done, they may say, okay, I can do this. Because you may have to remind them it's the same procedure, the same test. You look under there to see what kind of worms they have, if any that they have. So um, just because they may initially balk and say, oh, I don't see chickens, so I can't do this. Uh, you may have to remind them that, you know, it's the 
same thing you're doing with that dog poo or cat poo. It's just chicken poo. So um, that that may be an option for you. But you know, you're, you're all those places I said earlier, the, the extension agent. Maybe you have a poultry extension specialist in your area, a USDA lab close by, a state poultry lab close by, a university close by, uh, and then even if it's your own vet, he should still be able to do some tests for you, especially fecal flotation because it's the same. And here comes the choo-choos coming in. So I don't know if you can hear it going ding, 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 ding. I don't think they'll do the whistle again. Old steam engine. If you didn't know, we were talking about in the chat room, we were at Strasburg Railroad here in Pennsylvania uh, while I'm on the uh, book tour with Tractor Supply, and we decided to have a little family day here. So that's kind of what we're doing. And I see, <laughs> oh, jeez, my wife's kind of running to get a picture. We already wrote it once. We're going to write it again. So anyway, so that, that's some information that uh, you'll want to uh, you'll want to take with you. And I, I appreciate Richard coming on in his busy schedule to do that. And I'm going to go try to maybe catch this train and uh, and ride it again. It's about a 45-minute round trip. You can hear the bell. It's an old, old, old steam engine, which is absolutely awesome. And uh, I'm going to go try to ride that again. We are on the Chicken Whisperer Fall Tour, um, and we're making 14 stops. We've already done four. You can go to our Facebook page and see all the other stops that we're doing, uh, all the way up to Bangor, Maine. We're having a great time. So, um, and uh, spreading the chicken love and educate folks from here nor there. So, uh, but thanks for tuning in today. Uh, how to choose a veterinarian. I'm sorry that um, Richard had to go real quick, but he had some business commitments. But I did want to do the show. I did want it to be live. I did want to get the information out there because uh, it is sometimes, especially for chicken keepers, can be a struggle. So, uh, but we'll talk to you uh, soon. Our next show will be this coming Monday with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. We hope you'll be able to tune in for that show. I think it will probably be Q&A. Uh, we'll do some Q&A, so I'll be posting maybe Saturday and Sunday uh, for you to post your questions on our Facebook page, or you can email them to us, and we'll try to get them on the air with Peter Brown, the Chicken Doctor. That will be just coming Monday. Now, this Saturday I will be in Quakertown. Yep, this Saturday, Quakertown, um, Pennsylvania at the tractor supply there. Uh, that will be, hang on, let me see. Let me get my schedule up here on the computer. Uh, yes, uh, this coming up Saturday, we've got the Quakertown PA. That's from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Quakertown, Pennsylvania tractor supply. Then a Sunday, we'll be in New Milford, Connecticut. On Monday, Farmington, Connecticut. And then we've got a couple of days off before we hit Thursday. Uh, and I don't know how to pronounce it. Leominster. Uh, Lemonster, uh, I call it Leominster, uh, Massachusetts, and then uh, we go into Vermont, and then we go to New York, and then we go to Maine, New Hampshire, uh, so lots of stops, and you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Chicken Whisperer. So, hey, we appreciate you joining us today. Hope you learned something today. Thanks for spending time with us, and we will see you Monday right here on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tractor Supply. All righty. We'll see you Monday. God bless everybody. Uh-huh.